Hello, and welcome to this very special mini-episode of More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. Let's call this episode 4.1. In this episode, I'll go over my top Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes for a great Halloween. Hello, and welcome to the second part of the fourth episode of More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. If you listen to the entire fourth episode of the podcast, this is basically just the top episodes I said to watch for Halloween. Now, as we know, Are You Afraid of the Dark has been around for a total of five seasons in its first uh, run. With the first season, there was also a first reboot, and that gave us an additional two seasons, bringing the total to seven. Then last year, in 2019, the series was rebooted again, but not for an entire series, but for three episodes. These episodes were actually really good, and I think it renewed interest into the series. So without further ado, let's get into the countdown. Now, while I gave these episodes numbers to kind of give a top 10, these are actually in no particular order. So the first episode, or episode number 10, for a great Halloween to watch, is season 5, episode 9, The Tale of the Unexpected Visitor. Our storyteller was Kiki. This episode is about two boys who happen to send a song into space, which translates into, We are toys in an alien language. The boys then get stalked by a child alien who just wants to play with them. It's not scary, but I thought the premise of two kids sending a message into space and then getting the message received in an immediate reply, well, in this case, an immediate playmate, was very interesting because there wasn't a lot in the space sci-fi genre at the time, and this was a good way to get kids interested in that. Coming in at number nine, the second episode is from season four, episode 10. This is called The Tale of the Unfinished Painting. The storyteller for this was Gary. This is a tale about a girl, who's named Cody, who finds a rather unusual paint gallery. It's unusual in that the owners let other people finish the paintings. So picture like um, blank, a semi-blank canvas with an outline of the picture and they just have to fill in the color, if you will. Now, the strange thing about this gallery is the owner does not let the painters use their own tools. They have to use the tools provided for her. And that is because there's an altar, um, a shrunken head, and, oh, the tools are cursed, so you are trapped in the painting. I remember watching this episode and the portions where Cody gets pulled into the painting prior to finishing it was very reminiscent of the movie Labyrinth, uh, specifically the scene where Sarah's trapped in one of the crystal balls and she's forced to dance with the people around her. Uh, The style of the camera work in this episode is very similar to that one part of Labyrinth. And as a fan of the movie Labyrinth, I really appreciated it. This now brings us to the eighth episode on the list, since we're going backwards. This one comes from Season 3, Episode 13, The Tale of the Dangerous Soup. Our storyteller for this was Frank. And so here's my pitch if I, if this was uh, me working for the restaurant in the episode. 
Come on down to the wild boar, where Dr. Vink is back, and this time he's a chef. He is known far and wide for his delicious soup that costs $100. But why does the soup cost so much and taste so good? Short answer is, it is the fear of the restaurant staff. It's like the patrons are literally eating the staff's fear in liquid form. This episode is also notable for its guest star of Neff Campbell, and its use of gargoyles. Overall, I think this episode is good because Dr. Vink is an interesting character. Throughout the course of the series, he was a natural scientist, a chef, a director, um, a curator of curious things, and I really like how they develop the character, even though he's not a Midnight Society member. It's just, uh, it goes to show that it has some really good writing, and somebody knew from the get-go they wanted to take certain characters from each episode and have them cross over to other episodes. Coming in at number seven is our first tale from Betty Ann. It's a season three, episode six, The Tale of the Bookish Babysitter. Ever wanted to get your kids to love reading? Hire Belinda, the coolest babysitter around, who will send your kids on a literal adventure through books. But watch out for the witch who will try to eat you or the knight who might try to kill you. This episode is about Ricky, a couch potato who hates reading, until he meets Belinda. Also, Belinda might be a witch because she wears this black cape and she has kind of a cackle when she laughs. Or she's possibly psychic because she knows what the parents are going to ask her before they ask. Either way, she's a very interesting character. And I wish we could have gotten her in another episode from another storyteller. Um, for example, maybe she could have shown up in a Gary story. It would have seen, been uh, very interesting to see how she would play into his magic character realm, if you will. Our sixth tale to watch for a great Halloween is from season two, episode 13, The Tale of Old Man Corcoran, as told by Kiki. There are two new brothers who move to a town, and they're kind of lonely. One day, some local kids ride up on their bike and challenge them to a game of hide-and-seek. You know, just a typical thing you would play with neighborhood kids. But while they're playing the game, they are dared to steal Old Man Corcoran's harmonica. And Old Man Corcoran is out for revenge. He's supposedly a murderer who dug the kids' graves. Did I mention this game of hide-and-seek takes place in a graveyard? And uh, there's a huge cliffhanger at the end of did they or did they not? Um, the kids that they are playing with are also very interesting characters, and I'm not going to spoil it in this episode, because I did in the previous one. I remember playing hide-and-seek as a child. I never played in a graveyard, but we would play at night, and it was called flashlight hide-and-seek. So, you were in the dark, and... I guess the way to think of it in today's terms, it was like real life among us, but we didn't have an imposter and we weren't in space. So I guess technically it's a separate thing. Number five on our list is from season two, episode two, The Tale of Midnight Madness, as told by Frank. The, we have another Dr. Vink episode right now. Dr. Vink has had a midlife crisis, I assume, and is now a director who's trying to get cinemas to show his new vampire movie based on Nosferatu. The kicker? The cinema he chose is slated to close permanently in two weeks, due to low attendance, but Vink says he can turn it around and save it. Also, the vampire comes out of the film and terrorizes the theater staff, which is uh, hilarious, and 
I guess at the time, if you were a child, kind of frightening because it is based on a silent movie. I really liked this episode because it was a good gateway episode into a psychological thriller. Plus, Dr. Vink was a very fun character in the episode. Moving to number four, we have season one, episode 13, The Tale of the Pinball Wizard. The storyteller for this is Gary. Ross needs a job and asks Mr. Olsen at the mall. Mr. Olsen, he runs some sort of trinket fix-it shop, and he happens to have some pinball games sitting around for patrons to play as well. Well, Mr. Olsen decides to give Ross a shot and tells him not to touch anything. Ross doesn't listen, of course, because he sees a shiny new pinball machine in the back. He ends up getting stuck in the pinball machine, where he must save Sophie from the evil witch, an executioner, and the sheriff, while finding her throne and her tiara. That's the premise of the pinball game. He has to collect her throne and her tiara and crown her to finish and win the game. But will this be enough to get out of the game? No, because he did not listen and is now trapped in the machine forever. Or at least we think he is because of the ending. It's actually a really good episode and the visual effects are hilarious. Like my favorite scene in this one is when it starts raining quarters and Ross is literally the last person in the episode to realize he's in the pinball machine. I recently rewatched the episode a couple nights ago and I was wondering, so he was playing the machine. Sophie came in to ask about her, th her music box. At what point did it did he transition from the mall into the machine that is looking like the mall on the inside? Because when Sophie's there, you can clearly see patrons of the mall walking around. So did it happen when he went back to play the machine again? Did he go back so quickly that when he did it, Sophie also got transported and she was put into the role of the princess? Or did he transport right away, but the, the Mr. Olsen wanted to mess with him and make him think he could still leave them all. When I think of Are You Afraid of the Dark, at least for the first season, this episode is one of the first ones I go back to, apart from possibly laughing in the dark. This is one of my favorite episodes of all time of the series, just because I just, it's a fun episode to watch. It's not particularly scary, but the whole idea of being stuck in a game is just fascinating to me. Coming in and leading the home stretch, at the third episode, You Should Watch for a Great Halloween, is also from season one, episode 11, The Tale of the Dark Magic. One of the only tales on this list from Eric, because as you all know, I do not like him. Andy and his family have inherited a house from a dead uncle who was weird. Andy plays music and the basement comes alive, which I guess is opens a portal to hell. I don't know, that part wasn't really made clear what actually the music does other than um, occasionally some glowing eyes will show up. There was a human-sized doll who tried to get Andy to play with him and that was pure nightmare fuel. Andy feeds the local bully to the demon and in return gets a shiny new bike. His next victim? His sister potentially. Eric ends the story by saying Andy did not feed his sister to the demon, only scared her, but the but his face um, tells me otherwise because he turns to the camera and he has like an evil glint in his eye. Other Are You Afraid of the Dark reviewers on YouTube pointed out that this episode has a 
element of Little Shop of Horrors to it, because in Little Shop of Horrors, there was, of course, that alien Venus flytrap named Audrey too, that Seymour was to feed victims to, and it would grow, and it was very power-hungry. So it's very Little Shop of Horrors-esque, but without the characters singing. The music is strictly from a boombox or a jukebox. Our second episode, You Should Watch for a Great Halloween, is also from Season 1, and it's Episode 8, The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. The storyteller is Betty Ann. The new neighbors are from Transylvania, and are possibly vampires, as they only go out at night, dress in all black, and have ample amounts of blood in their basement. Since this was in the 90s, these also could have just been really hardcore Hot Topic fans, because back in the day, Hot Topic was like the goth store. Right now, I would say Hot Topic is way more pop culture than anything else. What will Day Day and Emma do? Will they break into the house and are told lies by the bronze? Turns out, Lex is a vampire and his parents are his servants. This episode is unique as it was eventually turned into a book. The book gave more of a background into what was happening in the neighborhood and expanded the story. So the story wasn't left so open-ended and there was actually a complete ending. Because of Time for TV, the story has kind of an ambiguous ending and we're left wondering, oh no, are the bronze going to turn everybody into vampires? Why did Emma give up? She was so close to figuring out the truth. And this now brings us to the number one episode, You Should Watch for a Great Halloween. Now, I kind of cheated in this and that I picked... Season 4's first episode, which is actually a part 1 and a part 2. That's right, it's the tale of Cutter's treasure. The storyteller for this episode is Frank and Gary. It's a tale so epic it took two storytellers to tell it. This tale also sees a team-up of epic proportions. Sardo and Dr. Vink together at last. Rush goes to buy his little brother a magic set from Sardo, which opens up an old chest and awakens a dead pirate, Captain Jonas Cutter. Cutter then kidnaps Rush's brother. Rush seeks the help of none other than Dr. Vink. This episode also guest starred um, actor Charles S. Dutton. I chose this as the first, um, or I guess as number one, because it was just such a fun episode. I really liked how Sardo and Vink were in one episode together. And you could just tell that Gary and Frank were feeding off of each other's energy. I mean, granted, the actors who play the Midnight Society don't write these episodes, but the way it was translated into screen and told, you got the impression that they would have told this story and it would have been told in this style. Plus, who doesn't like a good pirate story? Moving on now, I'm going to talk about some honorable mentions. And these honorable mentions come from both the first season run and the first reboot. So our first honorable mention is the tale of the Silver Sight. This story is unique to Are You Afraid of the Dark in that there are not any storytellers. In fact, the story revolves around the Midnight Society. So the Midnight Society goes on a quest and they team up with Gary. This is a great three-part episode that gives us a lot of details about the formation of the society and how it dates back to 1937. This episode also sees the members visit past members from Grandpa Jean's generation. Um, I want to just make a note in here that a lot of the actors who played the older generation had shown up in previous episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, For example, the actress, 
Sheena Larkin, who played Grandma Aggie, was also the boss hag in Watcher's Woods. In fact, if you listen to the previous podcast, she also played Nanny, the mother of the ghost child. Um, another actor who was in this episode that was in a previous episode from the first run is James Bradford. He plays General Liang Candle, who appeared previously as Shandu. And I believe it's called The Tale of the Magician's Assistant. I haven't done a podcast for that episode yet because I want to say it's in season three. I just, I really liked how they brought actors back while keeping the story fresh. Also, Ryan Cooley plays the evil character, if you will, in this episode. And he did a fantastic job. For those of you who don't know, Ryan Cooley was on another Canadian kids show called Degrassi The Next Generation. Um, Consequently, I believe that was also shown on Nickelodeon. It's a really good show, and if you haven't seen Degrassi, I highly recommend it. My second honorable mention is the tale of the ghastly grinner, as told by Betty Ann. I really enjoy the artwork of this episode because it's done in a comic book style. Uh, think 1960s Batman with like the cutaway gags, you know, how Batman would punch a person. It would show up as punch or bang, and it would do the crazy... Uh, transitions where it would spin out. Plus the character was bright and colorful. He had a blue goo that would come out of his mouth when he would laugh. And while it's not exactly scary, um, the concept of being grinnerized where you're forced to laugh at anything, you know, I guess it could be frightening, but just like the style of it and the colors and everything was just so bold at the time. And like all of Betty Ann's stories, it left us with a moral message of don't give up on your dreams. If you give up, you won't succeed. But if you keep trying and pursue your passions, you'd be surprised what can happen in the end. The next honorable mention on the list is the tale of the Room for Rent, which is the only Sam story I have on this honorable mentions, well, actually on the list in general. Sam tells a lot of love stories, and this is a love story with betrayal. In fact, it's a love triangle, if you will. Uh, You know, it's not scary, but for a Sam story, I thought it was decent. In fact, if I didn't choose this one, I would have chosen her initiation story, The Tale of Watcher's Woods, but I wanted to make it a point not to choose anyone's initiation story because by default, I felt those would be the best stories that the storyteller would have told because they're trying to get in. However, I did make one exception, and that exception is the next tale on our list, The Tale of the Dead Man's Float, told by Stig. Now, Stig is a unique character in that he really only told one story, and the first time he told it, he didn't actually get into the Midnight Society, which is very odd because a lot of fans of the show would argue this is by far one of the scariest episodes of the entire season. Um, For me personally, it isn't. I think for me, my favorite slash scariest episode um, is either The Tale of Midnight Madness or The Tale of the Dangerous Soup, but I tend to gravitate personally to more psychological stories. So The Tale of the Dead Man's Float is about Zeke, and he's into science, and he decides to help out this girl named Clarice, who's a swimmer. He finds out through some research that the school used to have a swimming pool. He shows it to Clarice, and she's like, this is awesome, we can practice our swimming here. Little do they know that the school was built on a graveyard and where the pool is located was on top of bodies. And so there's a ghost that you can't see, but due to science, uh, Zeke throws some chemicals in the pool and now they can magically see the ghost who consequently smells like sulfur. The next honorable mention on our list is the tale of the prisoner's past, which is told by Tucker. 
and I realize this is the only story by Tucker I have on the list. Um, unless you count the tale of the silver sight, because Tucker really took on a leader role in that episode, just because it had to do with the midnight society and his brother coming back. But let's talk about the tale of the prisoner's past right now. This is a story about two boys who happen to be quite different. They are stepbrothers. It is almost like seeing into the Gary Tucker dynamic. Basically, the boys find the body of a prisoner and they give his daughter some closure. And the reason I say this has a lot of Gary Tucker dynamic is that the way the two stepbrothers are, are uh, portrayed in the episode is very similar to how Gary and Tucker interact with each other at the meetings. You know, they love each other, but they fight because Tucker can be a brat and Gary can be overpowering. So that was the end of my list of honorable mentions. But since this is going to be a mini episode, which at the time of my encounter right now is 20 minutes, so it's more like a full episode, I thought I'd go ahead and throw in some bonus mentions. Um, one episode that I feel is very good and a lot of people should enjoy, is the tale of the chameleon, which is told by Betty Ann. Uh, they did not use a chameleon, though, in the episode. They used an iguana, which is a member of the chameleon family, but it's kind of like that whole whiskey-scotch debate. Well, it's not really a debate because it's science, but it's similar to that. But anyways, basically in this episode, uh, we have Tia Tamara Mori, and one of them plays the character Janice, and the other one plays the evil chameleon who's trying to take over Janice's life. And it has one of the best uh, rhymes, if you will, in the episode, which is bite you once, bite you twice, a little water, pay the price. And the price is you turn into a chameleon. Um, the episode also has one of the darkest endings in Are You Afraid of the Dark History? And, you know, it's a Betty Ann story, so that shouldn't be of any surprise to fans because her stories aren't typically sunshine and rainbows at the end. They're very ambiguous and almost like, oh my god, is this actually going to happen? Another episode that comes to mind that I didn't originally have on my list is actually from the first reboot called The Tale of the Wisdom Glass. At least I believe that's what it's called. It's about the, it's almost like a Prince and the Pauper kind of episode because you have the rich kid and the poor kid. The poor kid is window shopping for this video game called Wisdom Glass and the poor kid is really cocky and makes fun of the store guy and it turns out his dad's cut him off. He inadvertently steals the game, um, but he goes to the poor kid's house and they put the game in the computer. They're automatically... Uh, given an invitation to go to this wisdom glass tournament and then when they get to the tournament they're put on trial and it's a very intense episode and it's definitely a tale of the moralistic is it wrong you know if you accidentally steal something accident in the sense that you picked an item up and you walked out of the store should you be put on trial and should you be held responsible and if you are put on trial and held responsible are you going to do the right thing and admit to it and not let your friend take the fall for you and then the last one i'm going to bring up is actually the 2019 reboot or i would more classify it as a mini series because it was only three episodes long and it deals with a new girl in town named Rachel who comes and the one of the kids in her math class is a member of the Midnight Society and sees one of her drawings of one of her characters, Mr. Top Hat, and he gets very interested. So they start sending her cryptic messages through her locker for her to answer. And at the end of this quiz, if you will, they invite her to join them in the woods at midnight. 
Well, this is where this episode, or mini-series of Are You Afraid of the Dark, takes a different turn. The story of Mr. Top Hat is not only the story in the episode, it's what revolves around the entire Midnight Society. So they're suddenly thrown into this carnival, this dark carnival, because they remember going, but none of the other people at their school do. And Rachel is left wondering if she's remembering all these events from her childhood or if she's made up the story. This episode also brought back some cast members from the first series of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, specifically, Laura Bertrand comes back as the mother of the girl in Rachel's story. I know for me personally, as a fan of this series, I was a little cautious of, is this going to work? Will this translate well into 2020 or 2019 terms at the time? And I was um, very surprised. It was a very good story. It had all the elements of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, it gave us a really good background on this version of the Midnight Society, which begs the question, is the Midnight Society worldwide? Because this episode, these particular characters were based out of Oregon. And in the previous series, they were all filmed in Montreal, Canada, and we never knew where the Midnight Society was actually from. And I appreciated, as a fan of the actual Midnight Society, seeing Rachel's journey from her house to the campfire, which involved a small boat trip. So did you agree with my list? Do you have any episodes that I've missed and should have included? I'm pretty sure there are some. For example, I didn't even put Laughing in the Dark, and that's arguably one of my favorite episodes. So what would you include on a list? What would some of your honorable mentions be? Let me know down in the comments. Drop me a comment on the blog. You can find my social media links for Twitter at Mora underscore 32984. I'd mentioned in podcast number four that I was thinking of starting a Discord. Uh, if anybody listens to this and you think that would be a great idea, send me a message. Let me know. I am more than willing to set up a Discord so we can all have a conversation or a watch party. So this has been episode 4.1 of Mora's Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. Join me next time when I actually review an episode, which is also by David the Tale of the Twisted Claw.